This is a radio broadcast from the Good Boys Gone Bland. Seek shelter now. Hello and welcome to Good Boys Gone Bland, Season 7, Episode 9, Star Trek First Contact. I'm your co-host, Denali. I've been instructed to say uh, I'm your co-host, Ryan. And uh, it's me, Ensign Jace. Ensign Jace, you said no improv. Oh, that, no, 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 no. You said we were going to play it straight. I literally just almost explicitly improv. said just... that I'm not improving. I wasn't improv. I wasn't inviting improv into the group. Okay. I was just saying, like, that was the straightest way for something. me to say it without being like, My, we it's just... me, first engineer, Jace Barley. <laughs> We just had a discussion about doing our first straight intro because people are getting tired of all straight. improv intros. Okay, fine. I am I am Denalicus, and welcome <laughs> to our Borg Cube. I am uh, also Borg Cube, but I don't know if that means I have my own name. Would you have? Well, he has his name. He has a name, so I, I I guess I'm Ryan. I'm Robot Ryan guy. Okay, I was a little confused there that when you said you were a Borg cube, because I said like I was in a Borg cube. That's like my vehicle. So you're another robot. But yeah, see, well, I'm a little. Ryan, okay, the okay, Borg well, cube let's, is let's like their clear. Volkswagen Beetle. I'm a little. Yeah. I'm a little confused yeah. about the whole Borg thing. Oh, okay. This okay. this is why we got rid of improv. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just let's okay let's keep let's keep playing it straight. Let's do a regular podcast this episode, guys. This well, you know, there, there's yeah, we have a Star Trek episode yeah. mm-hmm. and that's for normal people who can't really handle too much complex thought so we it's, really shouldn't go too far off course here it's a concrete hard sci-fi episode and we're gonna get some first time viewers here today just like with oh, our so Neon i probably Genesis. shouldn't just insult them right off the bat you shouldn't ryan and uh, listen trekkies out there don't don't touch that dial all right i'm a trekkie i'm like you you have a guy in your corner here okay i'm not just gonna let ryan you know steamroll so Welcome to the show, <laughs> guys. Uh, much like Neon Genesis Evangelion and uh, all this other shit we've watched this season, we might have some first timers here. So maybe we should explain what we do on the show and uh, you know what we're all about. You know, and, and Ryan, this is your season. I mean, do do you want to do you want to give them the spiel? Yeah. So we're a marathon podcast. We marathon ten movies of a given subject, theme, or sometimes actor or actress. Uh, this time we're on disaster movies or end of the world movies. And we're pretty, we're pretty far. We're in deep space here. With, deep uh, Space Nine, with, some might say. Some, I don't know. They, they also said Deep Space Seven, like in this literal movie. So I'm not quite clear what that means. But anyways, uh, yeah, we're kind of rounding the corner on this one. We kind of know what a disaster movie is by this point. Yes, uh, too well. Yeah. So part of our discussion <laughs> is going to be, was Star Trek First Contact a true end of the world movie? Yes, exactly. I noticed a trend like at in the beginning, I feel like we were sticking closer to our guns as far as end of the world stuff goes. And I think maybe just naturally we just kind of fell off <laughs> disaster movies <laughs> and we were like, hey, what if uh, this, this movie is a fucking <laughs> end of the world? And that's kind of why I, I leaned into this Star Trek movie, um, which is one of the few where I think Earth is threatened and can get into that with our apocalometers where we measure how end of the world this is. But what's unique about about this one, I, I think, is um, you know, it, it's it's kind of like your uh, run of the mill uh, time travel Robo Zombies. 
How would scenario. you say pretty like unique scenario and then say it's your run of the mill? Well, it's it's unique for our season. It's the first time we had a time travel with zombies. Oh, movie. okay. So uh, it's called First Contact. And uh, I was wondering for you guys, like uh, if you guys had first contact, like what would you what would you say to the aliens? And what would you what would you show to those cool green guys who, who came down? You know, like there's a scene at the end of this movie mm-hmm. where a guy talks to aliens for the first time and represents humanity. And I was thinking it might be a tough job. Yeah. The guy shows him like Elvis. You got to be careful probably... nowadays, too, because you come down and you like yeah. land in front of somebody who wants to make a TikTok living. Yeah. You're going to get dabbed on or something. Yeah. You're going to get dabbed on if it's 2017. <laughs> I like to think that at the end of this movie, after being introduced to rock and roll and the yeah. drunk guy who made this, they would have been like, so you're the only guy that knows how to make the engine, right? And he would have, oh, yeah. And they would have capped him. And then they would have gotten their ship and they would have left. They would have just shot him. Nobody will believe you. Is the only guy who knows how to build this shit? Romulans hate Elvis Presley. And unfortunately, that's what he played. Not an actual movie. They yeah, do I, do I don't think he played. It was, it was like some 50s rock. I mean, it's a tall order. And like aliens would have to... You know, get really lucky with their landing because there are just large swaths of our world where <laughs> there's some really fucked up views. <laughs> oh yeah, and like, within uh, our own yeah. country Most and of our own America. cities. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like avoid you, anywhere you, with corn. You are the they, most technologically advanced racist species we've ever come across. My God. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to love cornfields. They're like putting fucking symbols and signs and shit all over them. Quite, quite. Did that fall off? I don't obviously. Did, oh like, yeah, like crops, partake crop in news oh, anymore. Okay. But I mean, like I know crop circles are like human. Yeah, yeah. This is made. my this is my whole topic. So okay. by the way, if people don't know, I right. we, I'm maybe the um, in house weirdologist conspiracy, conspiracy yeah. theory <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I love everything that's like Bigfoot, Sasquatch or Loch Ness, or UFOs. I mean, I go out and look at space. I have a little telescope, and I love that stuff. But crop circles. Yes. Mostly the the phenomenon was mainly contained to, like, England for a long time. And I think, so I think the two that confessed to doing it were the English ones. And they, like, had this system down, and they even called the news, and, like, they totally blew up their own uh like job they ratted okay. themselves out and revealed how they did it and everything like that and they were doing like everyone pretty much okay. and some people have been copying them but yeah they just they would show up the next day when the news trucks got there mm-hmm. they would show up and be like wow this is crazy who would have thought to do this how do you think they did this and then the news guys just be like we don't know we found some farmer and the farmer said it's not possible to bend corn like that <laughs> corn doesn't bend <laughs> Corn doesn't See, bend corn like goes this. up. <laughs> How can corn go sideways? I ain't never seen nothing like that in my life before. And I know, because I'm a God-fearing man, that yeah. corn grows to heaven. Well, that's one thing, too, is like, <laughs> you're going to trust these farmers who have never left the county they okay. live in about like this like otherworldly phenomenon when like the dudes drove from like an hour away. Yeah, it's... uh. <laughs> I, I I googled most recent crop circle and I couldn't find anything. I feel like the most recent was like 1980, and I think that was the cusp of where you could just like kind of say something, and they're like, "Oh, dang, I guess it's true." We fucking uh, we did we grow up in the golden era of like I guess that type of misinformation 
where like that shit would just pop up up in the news and it's not really possible yeah, anymore right. because like honestly you're so surveilled we know exactly <laughs> who drove there yeah well also we grew up in the era of the discovery channel and the history channel where they when we were kids they were a source of like unbiased scientific information but when wow. we were you know proto adults they were putting documentaries about mermaids and stuff yeah. So there's a there's <laughs> a, a bit of a realignment, if you will. And I think that in a lot of ways has kind of led to our generation, at least some people in our generation being like, well, science is undecided. Who knows? Like, there's a lot of things we don't know out there. Crap circles are real. In History Channel's defense, I don't want to watch another show about how crop circles aren't real because I already know that. But if they have a show that's called Mermaids Are Real, I'm going to fucking watch that every time. <laughs> okay? I mean, they're just showing you something you don't know. But yeah, like if an alien came down and was like, hey, uh, you guys seem pretty sick. Show me some uh, some of your human stuff. Maybe I'd, I'd take them that, to that, see the, Those old viral videos on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah. That we used to watch when we were teenagers like circa 2010 like yeah. that's our art like uh like the like batman laughing video batman <laughs> laughing the chimp yeah. sticking his Man. finger up his butt and then smelling it yeah th i think that'll be really good uh that'll that'll be like a, a good example of like our capabilities a vine um, compilation would be like yeah. the yeah. video would... of like coco asking for a cheeseburger on the thingy that was so funny i feel like that would be pretty abstract right like you have to explain like what vine is but then back up and be like this is a phone but like what's a phone and then like mm -hmm. they, no, they, no, aliens they, don't they have don't, phones they don't they understand <laughs> what did they like, communicate with goo how can or some you pack shit? so much culture into six seconds true yeah, maybe also i want their apps you know they've got a, yeah, yeah, they've yeah. got probably amazing apps that we don't we can't even fathom Oh yeah, alien apps. They probably have um a Google Maps that's for a space. They've got holodecks that, that, that go up and down. It's, okay, can we holodecks. talk about holodecks? Okay. All right. Because sorry. sorry. <laughs> as a, as a thought experiment, right? Yes. Cuz there's a couple science fiction, you know, maybe IPs that have tasseled with the idea of what if humans got a hold of a of a machine or a room that could Kind right. of synthesize you, anything you ask. Humanity's and, last invention. That's what they right. call it. Yeah. And in Futurama, that's just like you said, like it causes the end of the world. And in Star Trek, it seems that there's kind of like an AI situation. So what would you guys do with a holodeck? So like what, during our wreck time as the yeah. Star Trek crew. Something that wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be yeah. so hedonistic that you would never want to leave. No Hellraiser right. shit. I'm sure they have like parameters to like installed on like a military, not military, but like on like a government ship where they're like, hey guys, let's like, let's fucking reel it in a little bit. Honestly, Picard's like shit for the holodeck is pretty sick where he reenacts a detective novel and he mm -hmm. has a whole separate identity where he will just like solve these mysteries and it's it looks really sick um i would love to just play a storyline like that and just inhabit just this other other identity like a like a super rpg i think it would really depend on whether or not you're asking like me sitting in this chair right now or if you're asking me who's from 500 years in the future and is you know like a military member who's tasked with the star trek so to speak because like if i'm a person on that boat and I have, and I knew what Earth was like. It would probably be like sitting in a chair on a beach, and there's like a beach volleyball court. But you know I don't what know. Like I don't know what would volleyball. <laughs> yeah, I, I love some beach volleyball. But like right now, me, I'd have to think on that. What about you, Ryan? Um, I don't know. That's a, I mean, it is a good question. Like because if my life was super fast paced, once again, I would want something you know slow. Right. But then again, 
there are a lot of places on earth that I've never been to that I would love to go to, you know? So if it could replicate some sort of like mountaineering expedition where I could go anywhere I wanted and I could pick one from a list or something like that, or like I could be someone in like Skyrim, I could be the dragonborn or something like that. Oh, that'd be so cool. Imagine fly fishing. Yeah. Anything you want, but like not, not like you always catch it, you know? Yeah. Go fly fishing for the Arapaima, how Jeremy Wade did it on that little tiny boat. And he has to sit in the lake for like days for them to gulp for air. And then he casts right in front of him. I, oh, I didn't need catch to watch any that episode. I'm not in the scene. <laughs> Jace, you need to watch the episode of River Monsters. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I forgot can, you're a can, River Monsters. You, could be, you can be one of the hosts of River Monsters. You can host oh, River Monsters. I could go fishing show. with Jeremy Wade. You could. Okay. Answer. Right there. Go fishing <laughs> with Jeremy Wade. I thought about your Skyrim comment. I was like, of course, Skyrim would have a port for Holodeck. Like you can just yeah, we're the Skyrim generation. <laughs> Be like, load this game from three hundred years ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's no, there's no new game. It's just another. It's, we we peaked. We fucking peaked, guys. <laughs> there's no. Uh, I was also thinking, like the people in Star Trek, they're de- you have to think about their work life. They're seeing the craziest fucking shit ever. Like by definition, because they're explorers. They're going to like a jelly planet where everyone's diamonds and you climb like a fucking bug mountain. And it's just you, all this insane shit every day. And sometimes, like, I bet you they get on the ship and they're like, oh, fucking thank God. I'm just time for some boring shit. I bet you they just like go in and they sit in on like a jury duty or some shit, like on the holodeck, just to like just get some semblance of just normalcy. All that makes me think of is that Picard was like, yeah, nobody cares about money anymore. That's not our driving factor. We just want to benefit humanity. We want to benefit society. And these poor saps still have to work a 40-hour work week on a right. U.S. military battleship to shoot in space. And also when uh, he said that, I was like, oh, no wonder Denali likes this <laughs> series. He's a communist. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's the uh, my favorite piece of uh, leftist media. <laughs> uh yeah i mean like whenever i hear about like star trek as a premise that was what kind of my dad was telling me about like growing up where he was like this shit is the goal this is what you can have humanity be where we're not motivated by fucking profit by some bullshit ass stuff you can do literally whatever you want like like they're on the star yeah and and i like that because like contrast to something sorry but contrast to something pop side like star wars which is not like a utopia star trek kind of illustrates the ideal of the technological progress that we strive for and why we invest in things like nasa or just healthcare and that's kind of during our lifetimes at least and even kind of in our parents lifetimes our country's always been progressing upwards with you know standard of living and technology and even like human rights so it's something to keep in mind that if we want that to someday be our future we have to make sure that trajectory keeps on going because progress isn't, as much as I used to think this, but like progress isn't natural. Like, yeah, there's there's no force driving progress forward. Like, there's the dark ages and stuff. Like, you can stagnate for even go backwards. <laughs> like as we're yeah. learning, but like, so that's one thing I like about Star Trek is that it, it makes me think it's more grounded. It's based on not based on Earth, but it's based in like a human society. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of other ones like Dune and Star Wars are based off Earth and are so far out of our you know they're they're really science fiction mostly emphasis on the fiction yeah yeah it's it's like the best case scenario it's like the uh the anti the expanse where we finally cast off the yoke of late stage capitalism and 
you know, like I was saying, the people on that ship in Star Trek, they want to be on that ship. That's what they chose. Their I want to be on that ship. Yeah. You know, you, you can take a job, but if that's like extra, you know, your, your living expenses and everything is like already taken care of because there's the, there's the resources for it. Um, we don't have the artificial scarcity anymore. So, I mean, like looking at that society, I'm like, fuck, this gives me hope. At least somebody thought of this, <laughs> you know? I might say Mass Effect is pretty close to from like a perfect, not perfect society because it has obviously problems, but it's kind of the same idea. We can travel among the stars on this little spaceship and then go adventure and stuff. And yeah, that the society is a little less maybe um, organized around the collective idea of travel. So that's it's one thing about Star Trek I never really thought about, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to bring up the point here that like, you know, most people like to dip their toes into things, you know, and the I think the scariest idea of Star Trek in the universe out there in this type of uh, I just said you in this type of universe yeah, is yeah. that like, you know, there are a billion things on Earth that can kill you. And then you leave the planet <laughs> and there are millions of inhabited planets, each with a billion things that can kill you, like your bug mountain or like <laughs> jelly land. It's like, yeah, I'd be like, mm, so. Mm. <laughs> And people die all the fucking time. Yeah. (laughs) Star Trek. Like, oh, we lost another one. Shit. That's it. That kind of like brings me to like how they introduce the Borg in Star Trek 2. Because they do that in an episode of Next Generation where there's this godlike being who is like, you you humans think you know what the fuck is out there? I'm going to throw you to the other side of the galaxy and you're going to see what's over there. And they, he throws them and they encounter the, the fucking Borg cube. And they're like, ah, and there's like body horror and there's like mechanites and shit like that. And he like throws them back and he's like, yeah, you guys don't know shit. And th- that horror <laughs> of just facing the abyss, um, I think is like really cool. I think it's an optimistic view on humanity where, you know, that's what we strive toward. We're trying to better ourselves and our knowledge. And we just kind of like dispensed with the bullshit of just trying to one up each other. Yeah. I mean, if I could be on a spaceship traveling around the universe, like being launched by godlike beings into Borg territory, <laughs> I'd totally sign up. But then again, like my view on why science and space travel is so exciting to me is not from a we could possibly run into aliens who are traveling through our solar system. Like it's just more from a discovery of the natural world kind of perspective. And I feel like sometimes in Star Trek, that's kind of something that's missing. You don't have characters who are like, oh, that's cool tree. They just kind of like it's all about like interpersonal stuff. And it's all like they got really attached to like one dude. What? They have, they have biologists. They have, yeah, they have biologists. They have a science oh, team. You might they, fit in on the science team, right? Right, but like, they have I'm talking, that. We're literally explaining it to you. They have that. So there are people in the show that like yeah. those things. But They're I'm talking like, oh, about, rocks. I'm okay, I'm, I'm okay. Maybe I'm not talking about the universe no more. I'm talking about the plot. <laughs> mm, like, no one cares about new tree, man. They want to see fucking explosions. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but the difference between yeah, somewhere yeah. like, inter, something like Interstellar. And mm-hmm. Star Trek is like the plot of Interstellar is like going and looking at all these cool natural spectacles. But like the cool things that these Star Trek movies care about is like, oh man, I'm friends with this one alien and his kind of culture is like they don't express their emotions a lot. So like for the next two hours, we're gonna gonna set up like a big emotional payoff and like see if he reacts. Mm-hmm. And that's not I don't really care. 
right? I, you, I, I don't really yeah. care about like non-humans, <laughs> like like the the aliens in Star Trek, and they're trying to make me have this like it's hard for me to connect with the the Datas and the Spocks of the world because oh it's, boy, Ryan, the Federation would not like to hear about that, buddy. Well, You're that's exactly what I'm HR. saying. <laughs> don't care about non-humans. It's not that I don't care. Well, it's buddy. like when I'm wa- when I as me a movie yeah. watcher. I don't yeah. really want to like have an aliens. Oh, this is so hard to maybe express. <laughs> but no, what I want. Okay, let's okay. Well, let's yeah, let's yeah. put this idea out there. Let's put this idea out there. Okay. Okay. When I'm watching a Star Trek movie, right? Sometimes I don't feel like the emotional payoff works for me because okay. they're trying to reframe it in like and the way a non-human feels emotions. Like Data's whole plot line. I guess it's kind of cool that the robot got skin and could f- have goosebumps, but he's not a human. So, so exercises and empathy are lost on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ryan is more like Data than we think. <laughs> is that ironic? Uh, <laughs> I don't understand human emotion very well. <laughs> But I don't. Yeah. No, I do. I don't understand yeah, yeah, yeah. the non-human emotion, right. which makes me more like him. Holy, we're in a loop. We're getting dangerously close to, to movie discussion, uh, mm-hmm. or at least with the overall plot. Uh, one thing I do want to posit on you guys before we get into the weeds there: um, if you guys got a, if you guys got assimilated by the Borg, what, what would your build be? You know, like, do you think they let you choose like your build? Oh like, man, I texted you guys about this. Yeah, yeah. They, they got like, me thinking, Jace. But, and I messaged you because I noticed that they all have claw hands. And it's like the joke that everyone's been making about everything <laughs> trying to evolve back into crabs. I was like, so the Borg are just trying to become crabs. <laughs> There's other guys besides... Okay, claw hand looks pretty sick from the props yeah. department. I was about but, to say a pinch guy. <laughs> yeah, pinch guy's pretty cool. Some of them have like a can opener hand too for like more dexterous maneuvers. I saw a bone saw guy too. That was pretty cool. Bone saw is pretty sick. They probably need at least one bone saw guy for every like six claw guys. We have guys. six pinchers. <laughs> we, need, we need to get through this object. We don't need to move it. I uh, guess bone, they, uh, saw, bone saw guy's got a huge workload right now, dude. That that to do list, it's gonna be weeks. Uh, queen, queen up. Sorry, this this new convert. He wants to be a pincher, but we need more bone saws. <laughs> uh, but he, he's a really willing guy. I think he's he's gonna be a good pincher. That's also interesting that there weren't other species Borg. I know that's kind of like off. Yeah. Well, it's because they're assimilating only the people on the ship. And that yeah, ship uh, is seems to be mostly human. Um, but there are other ships where there's a fuckload of other, other uh, aliens. And the reason why they didn't do that here is because it costs a lot of money to make a big rubber head uh, for, uh, yeah, for the okay, aliens. Yeah, so, okay, so what's that guy's name? Worf? Worf, yeah. So he was he was pretty cool. Klingon. But yeah. the... What who I didn't like the in the makeup department since we're talking about right. like taking a okay. lot of money to make certain people aliens. Yeah, Data <laughs> has the worst makeup job of any like non-human cre- critter I've ever seen on <laughs> my television screen. Yeah, I mean you don't like staring at yourself in a mirror, huh? You just you just you see it, <laughs> you want to destroy. It, it was it was makeup, dude. It was paint. Yeah. No, it was. You're right, because like that's a criticism of the, of the the show at the time too. Is that he was also visibly older than he was like ten years ago, and they're oh. like he's got wrinkles. The paints on his fucking. They're trying to put it's, it it's, thicker. It's not makeup. It's it, literally paint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the fucking eighties, man. There's just Home Depot like, is cheaper robot. than Sephora. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it did look pretty weird to be too. 
I mean, at that point, it is visually yeah. striking. Like it's it's very clear that he don't look human. They're intending I mean, to portray something else, but well, yeah, whether or not it works well, it it does look goofy. Um, to get back to the the Borg, I think I would do two laser eyes. I think I think the one laser eye is pretty cool, and I think I would ask for two, mm. and then I think I'd have two pinchers. Well, but <laughs> you some stumble Borg around everywhere. Get like, a laser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I think, like, I would love for them to have a decision tree of, like, you'd be like, okay, you're assimilated, accept that. If you want, you can choose your build. Like, you can just, <laughs> you can, if you want. Otherwise, we're going to do, like, a default, like, whatever the fucking colony needs. But, like, do you want to be they have a, do, they have, do they have a wheel of chaos? <laughs> Randomize Ooh. it. So you could be anything. You're Stop a scorpion screaming man. Scorpion <laughs> How'd you guys both get scorpion? I know, I know, I don't know. What the fuck? Did you, Jace, did you say scorpion? We both just said scorpion at the same time, yeah. It was at the same time. It was weird. Wow. <laughs> I guess I know what we'd be. I, yeah. <laughs> you guys would be the first scorpion Borgs. would be like, hey guys, I've never fought a scorpion Borg. Do you think you guys could do this? Yeah, also, like, we get up to the desk and like, okay, what, what, do, you, what do you want to be? <laughs> Like scorpion. <laughs> That's not uh, an option. I don't we got think crabs. we do that. <laughs> we don't got scorpions. Jason, Jason's right behind me. He's like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> they say no to the scorpions? Yeah, bro. They said no scorpions. <laughs> fuck. And, and then, like, I feel like the Borg, too, because they're building it off of like parts from your ship. Like, we don't have... Like, we got a ton of pinchers because there's, like, calipers around. Like, we don't have that. Like, what what are we going to use for the scorpion tail? Needles. Needles. I'd ask for jetpack and then rocket, rocket, predator rocket launcher. Okay, hover build. Okay, hold on. We're getting, sorry, guys. Every time I react, my back, like, flares up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ryan's injured for this episode. (laughs) The, uh, I don't understand the Borg. Can we go back to... Also, there's going to be people who are listening to this episode for some reason who have never seen Star Trek and don't know what the Borg are. Right. Yeah. Uh, cue me, like, yesterday. Thank you, fans, for listening to our episode. There's always some of well, you if, who just if listen. If they were listening, they're gone because they don't know what Borg are. We've been talking about Borg for 15 minutes. I know what Borg are. Jace, what are Borg? Borg yeah. is an acronym. B-O-R-G. It stands for Blackout Rage Gallon, and it's when... <laughs> Sorority girls take a gallon of water and pour pour some out and then take a fifth of Tito's vodka and pour it into the water and then put some meal in it and then whatever else they want to make it taste good and then they drink it. And that's what this movie was about. Jace, this is just a shot in the dark. Did you go to college? (laughs) I did. And I went to a school in a small town. With a 25% Greek community. You drink a lot. Oh, went to guest. Yeah, so that's what the Borg are, uh, folks. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, you probably just you're wondering like what the Borg are, right? Like just what their deal is. Yeah, because um, let's be real. What I saw on my television screen, you know, evinced no clear consensus on what these things can do. Yeah, so I mean, it's interesting because a lot of people point to this movie as a good entry point into Star Trek, where they're like, uh, oh, they explain a ton of shit. They must and, not be people who have an entry into Star Trek. That must be people who are well-versed in Star Trek. I think so. Because this movie can be a little kind of like Neon Genesis. <laughs> where This movie is kind of the wrap-up for the entire, all eight seasons of The Next Generation, all like 800 whatever episodes. Um, you know, there are some context clues. I don't know, some shit like that. It's There's like fucking 25 episodes a season. Wow. 25 times eight, that's like 8,000. Um, <laughs> so like the Borg... Like I said before, they're from the Delta Quadrant, from the galaxy. 
They're Delta this Delta Quad. Delta Quad. They've been around for like Sorority thousands. Girls. Yeah. DQ. <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting pretty close. They're from DQ. Uh, they're like thousands and thousands of years old. I don't think anyone actually knows how they originated, but some species at some point was like, hey, wouldn't it be sick if we combine an AI with our consciousness and like make it so we're part machine and achieve perfection and all that shit. And then it kind of like went either super well or super bad because they're a very successful uh, alien species and they kind of just start deciding that they need to assimilate like other cultures, other planets. Like they basically just stick a bunch of robot parts uh, onto people and then inject them with nanites to make them like Borg. Um, so not all Borg are humanoid. Um, not all Borg look like people, but like for the sake of the show, you know, they just make them human, human robots. But they've been assimilating like bazillions, like trillions. They're like the Reapers in Mass Effect where they just sweep across the galaxy. Are they? And so they're, they're a hive mind? Yes, yeah. they're a hive mind. This is the first instance, and it was very controversial, where they had introduced a queen. Like, a queen has not been part of it until this movie. And we can, we can you know, talk yeah, about that. Yeah, her whole thing was complicated. Yeah. But I was really confused, too, because, like, I thought they were a hive mind. Yes, they are. But and, like, they the all concept speak in one on voice. the TV screen did not come across because, like, I thought a hive mind meant what, what one member knew, everybody knew. Yeah. But then there's people who are one-on-one -on -one fighting... Well, the rest of the Borg's just chilling like 10 feet away. They're probably, yeah, they got it. It's fucking, <laughs> well, you just send one machine, man. That's good. You know, it's like when you're playing like no, Rim World. But like every you... single time one new person got up to fight, there was like a whole realization scene. Did you guys notice that? Well, the same scene happened like five times in a row. Yeah, I think you have to weigh the fact that, you know, it's kind of like maybe allocating memory to something. Wherein if there's a threat, the Borg are... Because they're infused with robots, not only are they physically stronger, but they're generally immune to things like phasers. So yeah. in that case where the hive mind thinks that it is, you know, stronger or the more impressive force, it may think allocate five members to building this this tool that they're building in the scene you're talking about uh, and then send one to deal with one human. Yeah. Which and they're may, like assessing maybe, the risk in the moment. Like, yeah, maybe a little bit of okay. maybe a little bit of robot hubris. Yeah. Because. Okay. You see that too in the show or and even in the movie where they're like they can just walk through the Borg hallway and they won't they won't touch them unless Yeah, unless we got some threat. negative feedback on that scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh well, <laughs> I mean, let's just get into the synopsis. I think we're we're itching to just to talk about this <laughs> this dang this dang movie. Um and we already are. So like basically we watched Star Trek First Contact as you heard before. This is the 8th movie that they've released for Star Trek. This is like 10 years or so after the original, like uh, the Next Generation series, not the original series. But uh, this movie, well, if you know about Star Trek already, it's like 300 years in the future. There's warp drives. It's a sick-ass galactic federation of planets. And, uh, you know, is it, they're in a bit of a situation here. This is after they discover the Borg and the Delta Quadrant. And uh, this is after Patrick Stewart, who plays Jean-Luc Picard, uh, has been assimilated by the Borg, and he's been rehabilitated. But he's been having some nightmares, having some PTSD of his assimilation, and he gets word that the worst-case scenario has happened. The Borg have finally scooted their way across the galaxy and are approaching Federation space and beelining it straight to Earth to kind of do Earth in and fuck up Federation space and all that stuff. 
Uh, so what they end up doing, and this is where I'm going to slow down a little bit, <laughs> because <laughs> it's a little bit of a weird scenario. Uh, the Federation blows up the Borg Cube. The Borg Cube jettisons a Borg Sphere, which starts heading towards Earth. And this Borg Sphere <laughs> starts jettisoning these fucking tachyons and create a time hole. And uh, this the Enterprise is right behind the Borg Sphere and enters the Borg Hole. <laughs> and then they end up time traveling. And what they find out is that the Borg had gone back in time and fucked up Earth's history somehow. And now the present Earth is 9 billion Borg, no humans. It's all fucked up. And Picard's like, dang it, we got to undo this dang thing. So we're going to go into the Borg hole again and make it so that they can't fuck up the history. And so from then on, the movie is split into three simultaneous sections. The Enterprise, which is overrun with Borg. The Earth sequence, where they're dealing with, like, kind of the Wright Brothers equivalent for the first warp drive. They're trying to help them out. And then a mini section with Data and the Borg Queen. And uh, I think that that's kind of the, the skeletal structure of this of this movie here. Yeah. I, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the whole idea was like, okay, so. Okay. I, I get the, the Borg stuff. Whatever. The okay. Borgs are attacking Earth. Yeah. The Borg can time travel, apparently. That's just the thing they have. This has been established. Why don't they just do that in the first place? Why would they, if they could time travel, why would right. they go into a fight and be like, oh, yeah, we're totally getting destroyed right now? Um, I think this is the first instance. I mean, I don't know, because I feel like time travel has happened a couple times in the series, and it seems like it happens by accident, um, or the Borg might have just gotten this technology suddenly and i think they're just reacting to them ha suddenly having it because um, okay because like it doesn't make sense because the borg go through yeah. the okay the borg go through the yeah. borg hole <laughs> how many times can we say borg the, the borg cube makes a borg sphere the borg yes. sphere makes a borg hole the yes. borg sphere goes through the borg hole yes the enterprise goes through the borg hole <laughs> that leads them to borg earth us the enterprise doesn't like borg earth so it right. goes through the borg hole backwards Right. Mm. That doesn't take them back to where they started. That just puts them further back in time. But the Borg are also there. The Borg shot Montana. Yes. Wait a second. Okay, no, I had this question too. I thought they were only seeing Borg Earth because they were close to the Borg sphere. They oh, were you're in right, the, Jace, They were yeah. in the gravity blanket of the Borg sphere being yes. on the Borg <laughs> space-time continuum, which yes. allowed them to not be time-changed, but they could see Earth Borg outside Earth. of the Borg sphere, so then they penetrated. Yes, thank you, Jace. Yes. Okay. They okay, that makes a lot more sense. Okay. They went through the Borg hole once. They went through the Borg hole yeah. once. They went to Borg Montana. Yes. No, it's human Montana at this point. Mm -hmm. But the Borg were Borging Montana. They were borging it, but they, they there was no the, there was the still The Enterprise went and they sent some of the people down to Montana. Yeah. They kept some of the people on the Enterprise. The Borg borged the Enterprise. <laughs> yes. They borg everybody on the Enterprise. They turned them yes. into Borg. They got the Borg Queen. <laughs> Data couldn't be borged. They he's Borg proof. He decided not to be borged, yeah. Okay. A bunch of people We'll get to that. Yeah. Are, the Borg decide to randomly stop borging. Yeah. And then, and then what? Uh, the well, so, so the man. This is another thing. Like with with end of Evangelion, you know, we're missing out on twenty five episodes. In this, the Borg don't just target and assimilate one person at a time. Which I'm reading out of fandom at this very moment. <laughs> God damn um, it, fandom! I hate you, fandom. They they uh, <laughs> they they generally target like they'll 
they'll bring a whole star starship under Borg command. They'll assimilate all of them. Mm-hmm. But they really, like they showed in this movie, if you're just moving through a hallway and you're not a threat and you're not stopping a certain, like what the Borg are trying to do at the time, they might not, they might not assimilate you. That doesn't yeah. make that doesn't make any sense. Like that that literally does not make sense. And I was appalled at that scene because the line I believe out of John Luke's mouth, he says, "Oh, they will only attack us if they perceive us as a threat." And everybody's holding a machine gun, point at the Borgs, and then these are the characters who actually go and stop the Borg. And they're on they said, the way. Lower your weapons. So they weren't they weren't pointing it at the Borg anymore. So as long as they're not a direct threat, it's kind of just like a very, very simple computer input. How have the Borg not been beaten before? If they won't <laughs> if they, if they're like, oh, that guy's holding a yeah. gun and he wants to murder us, but he's mm-hmm. currently not murdering us. Let's just let him be. Number one, why are they assimilating the people that are assimilating then? And then how how have people not just been like, oh yeah, the Borg are super easy to beat. Don't try and murder them and then just I don't know, just win? Yeah, basically, yeah, they're just like a species that don't think like us. They just have like a very specific logical path. And apparently it's been good enough to just like because they have overwhelming force. Because if Jean-Luc just starts, you know, like popping off in the middle of the hallway, there's like 60 Borg. that will just immediately consume him. So they're just like, you know, continue work, continue work. And these guys are also drones, too. So they're like bees where they're not really like thinking like, hmm, could this guy in the future like go into this room and then fuck things up? And then that would be bad for us. It's just kind of like, you know. Yeah, but implication then is that the Borg aren't smart. Yeah, so it, they have collective intelligence, but like you know, kind of like ants or, or bees, like uh, individually, maybe they aren't that smart. But they're a hive mind. Yeah, you know, but it's like when you interrupt like an ants in like a fucking line, you know, you'll have one ant that does something dumb, but maybe all together it makes sense. It's I, just I just the, don't get it. Idea... I just don't get it. I just I, I <laughs> like let, let's make this clear. I'm not trying. Yeah. I, I just do not understand then what the point of a hive mind is. If like the hi- the scary part, everybody on freaking Letterbox is talking about this is the scary Star Trek. I completely disagree. That's yeah, kind of weird. I haven't watched my Star Trek, but like the Borg are not scary at all if they don't care about you. If they're just like walking by you in a hallway, compare this to Alien. When Alien is like, and Predator, like, <laughs> Alien is like, literally like hiding in the vents, like, I'm going to kill everybody. Right, right. And the Borg is like, hey, what's up, dude? Well, it's a different threat. You know, they're, they're still trying to assimilate the human race, but on this yeah. scenario, they are in a specific mission, which is restoring the comm system uh, so they can call the rest of the Borg over. But yeah, I mean, you just got to accept that they're a species that you're not supposed to really understand the logic of. And that's just the Borg. And you, you just you're a human and you just have to, like, deal with that problem. Awfully convenient yeah. writing mechanism, <laughs> might I say. It is. But, you know, and then you have like, like eight billion fans of the series who like will defend it no matter what. Yeah, but I mean, if if you don't get They're it, like man, you don't get it. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I when I I will say when I saw this movie, like back when it came out, like when I was like three years old, I fucking shit my pants. I was having nightmares <laughs> forever, <laughs> um, and I still like think about the Borg like that. I think the idea of being converted forcefully into something is terrifying, like existentially, um, and just like John Luke's speech about losing your personhood and being like parts you know like the needles in the eyeball and like drilling into your your skin and stuff um there's an element of existential horror i think uh within that okay i've got to ask i've got to point this out i think it's a big flub is that they discuss the 23rd century and they say oh earth is just after world war three 
And I'm pretty sure in the movie, the line is that 600 million people died as if when this TV show, you know, was like written, there weren't already 7 billion people on earth. (laughs) And then like all the major cities were destroyed. 600 billion people or 600 million people died. I was like, it's not that many. <laughs> that's, <What>? that's not. <laughs> I mean, that's a good amount. I mean, for I, NASA I looked to it up. like shift to Montana and be living in like a post-apocalyptic world, it's like, not NASA. It's, not it's NASA. the Western yeah. faction. <laughs> Didn't oh, you hear that? Like, Are you in the Eastern me. faction? <laughs> I looked up the population of the Earth in 1996 was 5.8 billion. Yeah, they not knew. that many. Pretty sparse. Didn't do that's any like, any projections to. <laughs> What what was this? Twenty? Wait, actually, was this in twenty sixty sixty three? Twenty sixty three. Okay. Yeah, this is supposed to be, takes place in twenty sixty three. I mean, I think the idea is is like a big percentage of the world died, and then everything's fucked, and like you can't really live in San Francisco anymore, so you have to just kind of like regroup somewhere else. Yeah, but and they have a sick whole... fucking bar. Their bar literally has <laughs> more liqueurs in it and like alcohol bottles on a like a on, well, on a shelf then moonshining has gotten better in the future this is decades ahead <laughs> technology um i also want to say like the fucking outfits for mid 21st century fashion was pretty sick <laughs> they're like high fashion french outfits from like nowadays pretty awesome i i like that they made it appear that like a lot of the outfits were were kludged together that's a word they've yeah. been using a lot of my work when Clues. talking about like interesting yeah like, <laughs> pro- like making a prototype look like an actual product like we don't want it to look kludged but like they you know a lot of it is like it's kind of post-apocalyptic survivor where he's like the hat that um dr cochran's wearing mm-hmm. is like looks kind of post-apocalyptic kind of punky but then he's wearing this really big fur coat yeah I was also thinking about like when Dr. Cochran was probably born because he's probably like in his 50s here. Like he was probably born in like 2010. Oh, he's a Zoomer. He's a Zoomer. (laughs) (laughs) Or he might be a Gen Alpha maybe. Or if he was, maybe if he was like 60, he would have been born in like 2000. He might have been, we could just go with how old he is in the movie because. That dude knows memes. Let me just look up Uh, Zephyr Cochran. Okay. He was portrayed by James Cromwell, who was born in 1940. Okay, so at the time of this movie, it was 1996, so he was 56. Fifth, okay. When this was, so so he was yeah, seven. seven. Yeah. yeah. Extrapolate. I think that's like, a, that's like a Zoomer, right? Like, yeah. He was born when we were They're middle 16 school. 16 right now, yeah. So one of these little shits who's like fucking playing Fortnite and shit, like he's going to grow so, up to be Zephyr Cochran. So one thing that was yeah. difficult, we need to talk, I need to talk about big picture stuff and not okay. just chop it up into little scenes, but like uh-huh. this movie came off as like just a star trek movie but for star trek fans it's isn't it it's like the culmination of a lot of stuff because it's called first contact and that's the whole setup behind their entire universe that makes it different than our universe so right for someone to just jump in it feels like we're watching the last entry in a series when it's really like first con- it's kind of like a prequel situation almost mm-hmm. and it assumes you know a lot of stuff. And I think a lot of the emotional impact for the viewers is reliant on them being like, oh, look, they're meeting the Vulcan for the first time. This is first contact. I get it. Oh, my God, that guy's going to trigger the whole space revolution. But like for me, I'm like, OK, yeah, get to the point. Like none of this is 
interesting. And that's why, like, the payoff of them being Mm -hmm. like, you're going to be the guy who triggers the space revolution. I was like, okay, can we have that happen earlier in the movie? Because I, I don't, this isn't very exciting. And I feel like my, before the reboot, people are going to eat me alive, but like before the new J.J. Abrams movies, that was kind of assumed with Star Trek movies. Like you could follow the series and then you would watch the movies. But I haven't followed, I haven't watched the series. So I don't know who the Borg are. I don't know who this first contact dude is. And I don't have like any emotional significance behind any of the events. And if as a movie, you don't do that for me, like you don't and put in the intro or at least in the first act like you don't set up the stakes i'm not going to view it the same way as you because i don't have all that background information and this just seemed like a long episode Hmm. no i I agree ryan like it does have that feel and it it has a lot of assumptions i think when it came out to like star trek next generation was like one of the biggest shows in television like it had like an insane amount of viewership so I think for them, they were like, yeah, like enough people are going to know what's going on here and we don't need to put that context in. We can just tell a story like we want to. But maybe like in a vacuum, maybe it wouldn't have the same effect. I don't know because I, 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 I've always known these things. So it's like for me, I can't really see that scene without that significance in my head. I'm like half vacuum. So to be fair, like watching this was kind of like it, it tickled, uh, it scratched an itch. Tickled the it can tickle you. What's what, the, what you're saying yeah. is scratch an itch. But, yeah. but um, you can tickle. It uh <laughs> one of my one of my favorite memories, and I think like maybe you know how they talk about children watching a video or like a person watching a video, it fulfills like the dopamine receptors in your brain. Like watching somebody dig a hole and like an MRI of a person watching the video of a person dig a hole kind of like hits the same brain receptors. Like when I was a kid, I watched my older brother play a lot of video games. And I watched mm-hmm. Thomas play like a lot of Star Trek. And I, I've, I remember the Borg cube being like really strong in that. So like, I think most of my exposure to Star Trek might actually be through Thomas. Through like the video games. Through like the video games. Oh my and gosh, then, that's so, yeah. <laughs> which, which is really like a weird way to uh, that's have, inter- yeah, have yeah. experienced Star Trek in the first place. But like, I think the payoff in this movie uh, for me, besides knowing like a little bit, so half vacuum of Star Trek, was that like a lot of it is important because the whole, I think the base premise of Star Trek is like impacting the society of like what you're interacting with the least amount. And like that's really true in a time travel movie, which this movie was, in any other time travel movie. It's like we need to impact this timeline the least mm-hmm. amount possible so things right. happen the way they're supposed to so that we're still alive. Yeah. In the future. And um, I would agree with you, Ryan, that I didn't get the payoff from like a a Vulcan walking out of the ship and doing the live long and prosper. But I did get payoff because the characters are interacting with Dr. Cochran and, you know, they they thrust this greatness upon him that, you know, he didn't want in the original timeline. And they're like, listen, you're going to be great. Everybody's going to love you. (laughs) And he's like, I just wanted the money. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciated that aspect too. It's like he's having to come to terms with his legacy. And it's like, imagine you have this project you're really excited about and these time travelers come back and they just start going crazy about it. Like, oh my God, it's in my textbook. I grew up with a fucking poster of it on my on my wall. <laughs> and you're going to start feeling a little weird about what you're about to do. Yeah, especially me- when you're, yeah. Especially when you're thrust upon with the knowledge that it's like, oh yeah, you by doing this make everything in the world better. 
and then nobody cares about money. And your only goal at the time is like, I'm going to get rich and I'm going <laughs> to retire on an island. And they're like, oh, no, that, doesn't, that doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, apart apart yeah. from that little tidbit, it, it reminds me of, of LeBron James, who got chosen one tattooed on his back before he entered the NBA. Wow. <laughs> what? Called shot. Holy and, shit. And then this week in real life, yeah. as we're recording this, is about to pass the NBA all time scoring record in the next two games. I think uh, a time traveler went back and was like, you're going to be <laughs> so fucking good. After this, <laughs> triple doubles won't even matter. Well, the other interesting part of that too is like you mentioned the prime directive jace like which is like the main thing that's in star trek where it's because like, i forgot what it was called right yeah Thank well, it's, you. <laughs> yeah it's it's like the main rule of star trek where they're like if you encounter a civilization or a species that's not like at our tech level i think what they base it off of is if they're warp capable do not fuck with them do not affect them it's kind of like their scientific rules like don't mess with their development let them develop naturally it's kind of like their ethics board and they talk about the the prime directive in this movie too because they're like should we tell them this shit like is it gonna fuck them up and they're like no it's us and they're like you know they're eventually came to that decision where we got to tell them like everything because if we don't we're fucked <laughs> and it's not really clear if the time stream is totally restored because they do change some stuff they do have Riker in the seat next to Cochrane and Cochrane has to live the rest of his life you know knowing this insane knowledge like this lovecraftian impossible knowledge um it could drive me crazy like if once they leave and like 20 years later i'm still thinking about it i'm thinking about like the year 2300 and warp ships fucking going to like you know the outer rim and encountering robot aliens and shit like i could not live a normal life i couldn't go to the cayman islands you could you would just be blackout drunk i'd be yeah i would have to <laughs> imagine telling like a really capitalist person nowadays that he'd be responsible for communism winning <laughs> years. Uh, your awesome rocket <laughs> is I, gonna cause communism and it's gonna be awesome <laughs> apart from the time travel stuff i do like the prime directive the idea of it Right. It's, it's very mm. intriguing as a plot device. And it's very intriguing as a philosophical experiment, too, because it's an answer to something in our kind of like in philosophy here called the Fermi paradox. And the Fermi paradox is basically if it's a mathematical near certainty that alien life exists somewhere in the universe or even this galaxy, why have we not been contacted yet? And there's a multitude of explanations. Some of them is that there's you know, time and space is too big, and w we've been spacefaring for too small of a time, so it's just, just hasn't happened yet. Other explanations are just, it's, life is so rare that there's only a few pockets of civilization in the galaxy. Other explanations are really cool. <laughs> like, there's a prime directive. There's a bunch of them out there, but we haven't gotten that technological yet, and they're not interested in us. Mm -hmm. There's another one that's like, because as soon as you make enough signals... Someone comes and wipes you out. You know, you get right. colonized. Like, so there's a bunch of fun explanations, and I like the Prime Directive, and I did like that this movie kind of got at the core of the Fermi Paradox, because the people on Earth had no idea that all this was happening, mm -hmm. and it's, since we're kind of in their shoes, it's fun to imagine, is that happening out there? Yeah, that's a good point, Ryan, and I also think about this movie just because it's it's something I watched so early when I think about the Fermi Paradox of, like, 
once we reach a certain level, like becoming warp capable or, or, you know, being able to create a transportation device like that, you know, I think about the Vulcans seeing that on their thing and they're like, oh shit, time to go like pay them a visit and let them know about the whole universe and, you know, ushering humanity, you know, being like, here, here's all our technology, all of our knowledge. Like you guys can be a part of this now. It's a really cool idea. And, uh, it's something I think about when I feel like when I think about our really bleak, <laughs> scary yeah. existence on Earth. And I'm like, that could be something. I thought about the Prime Directive the other day when uh, we reached the nuclear, the, the fusion ignition. Oh, the, the cold fusion. Like. Yeah, that was cool. So you read, but I'm like, come on, any day now, they're going to land on the White House lawn and all the problems. Gonna, and then we're going to get holodecks. What if they just steal it? They're just like, oh, you guys feel oh, that's so sick. <laughs> take that. We, we, we haven't found that. No, we we're waiting for the other thing. But this is sick. I'm going to take this. It's kind of cool that this week we also had a UFO over the U.S. confirmed. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't really unidentified. It was pretty quickly. It was quickly. for about 20 oh, minutes. Yeah, that's a Chinese <laughs> space balloon. Which I we're in the we're in the week of the space balloon, folks. We're, we're yeah. in the week of the space balloon. Let me just as a quick aside. I had a yeah. meeting with a company that's like based in Wisconsin, and because I know he'll never listen. My manager is probably in his fifties, <laughs> okay. and then I'm in a in a call with like two engineer dudes from Wisconsin who are also in their fifties, and like man, their sheer absolute like blissfulness at talking about like. I, I know I like I read the Reddit thing that was like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a space balloon. And you could tell that they're watching mainstream media news because they're right. like, oh, the damn space balloon. And then they went into like a, I, I had to cut them off because they just wanted to talk about it for 10 minutes. But not like the, <laughs> oh, this is the space balloon stuff, like engineering things of it. Like, oh, well, you know, we can't poke a hole in it because, you know, it's uh, filled with uh it's filled with helium and helium's inert so it doesn't like blow up and it's such a low pressure because it's a helium balloon that even if you did put a small hole in it it wouldn't come down because it's not pressurized that great and like i was just like oh shut the fuck up please let's actually do the work (laughs) that we are supposed to be doing (laughs) i thought that was going to go in another direction where they just start talking about the chinese so i'm relieved that it was about the technical specs of the balloon (laughs) there was a little bit of like uh obviously obviously they were like why the why the fuck would the Chinese send this balloon over the United States? And then they did it to South America, too. There's like a little bit of that, you know, like yeah, a little yeah. bit of animosity towards them, which makes sense. But nothing. Uh, nothing. Right, right. Yeah. Well, by the time this comes out, I'm sure everyone will be tired about the fucking balloon. It's already down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's already down. It's done. The balloon's done. It's dead. Um, I do want to talk about the resolution of this film the yeah what was it so yeah we like didn't even oh man we didn't really talk a whole lot i guess about the plot uh because we were so interested in this dang cool world <laughs> but, but what are you talking about the plot the, the borg want a borg yeah they, they but they spacemen are not on space yet they're on earth and drunk and they have to time travel oh i get it i get it, i get it, i get it data right yes talking so, about data data gets shown yeah. what it's like to be a human He's yes. given, which which is his goal. Data's an android. He's given biosynthetic human skin over his titanium skeleton, which this is, is after he gets captured by the Borg. We should say, yep. Uh, and then the Borg queen in her head kind of into yes, a head goes hot in body human body, <laughs> uh, which is just because of the limitations of VFX at the time. 
Uh, and then she like, you know, okay, you take it away. That's all I wanted to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Borg Queen comes out because it, it's established that the Borg have snuck onto the Enterprise. Like they, they beamed themselves covertly as the, the Borg ship blew up and there, there happened to be the Queen on there. Doesn't make and any then sense. They, they can like they have this technology where they can teleport, you know, across ships like, you know, they have like the beaming technology in Star Trek. They basically just like beam themselves onto like a remote part of the ship to basically get on it. Yeah, and if your shields are down, you can't stop the beaming yeah okay so on the ship there's the queen and they're establishing like a borg hive on there data is in this conflict because he's talking to the queen and she's like trying to convert him into the borg but also giving him gifts of of like humanhood which is something that he's been pursuing for the entire show this decision to include the queen in this movie was like pretty controversial by like the fans and people who are watching the movie too also, the decision to, like, make her, like, extremely sexual was also really bizarre. There's this, like, really, like, erotic scene between her and Data that just, like, I don't know why that was in there. Like, I, it's really strange, <laughs> and it didn't really pertain to, like, how we understand the Borg. Um, and they talked about the fact that, like, they included the Queen because they had all these lines about the collective talking to Data, and they're like, this scene's not working, let's just have a queen in this, and let's just, let's just do that, because it's like a hive. Personify um, it somehow. Yeah, and it didn't really work for me, even though I think the actress did, like, a pretty good job. Like, she fucking, she, like, delivered in the lines, the costumes, the makeup look pretty cool no, for the No, I think she was cool. I'm not being, yeah. I'm not even being facetious. Yeah, yeah, I think it was cool. But, like, the writing of her character just or, and how it fits into the story, I just think it didn't really work. I don't know. See, this is this is maybe where I differ. Even though yeah. I ranted about me not being compatible with data, really. But like, I liked this part, and I thought the Earth stuff should have been written out, and the Borg stuff should have been the only part that we were split between. I think splitting in thirds was too much. Halves. I agree with that. You yeah. could you could have done it. But I liked this. I liked the queen. I don't care about the Borg, really. So what do I care if there's a queen? And she was cool when she came down and her spinal cord is dangling. That, that was, was sick, yeah. <laughs> that was the first time I was like, okay, Julia, this is actually this is actually really cool. You should look what's going on. And then she had some she had some personality, and that's kind of what I was missing from this. Like every single person on this entire show is either a terrible actor or has literally no personality. So it was nice to have someone kind of come and ham it up. And the the interplay with her being a robot who has personality and who can have like vices and, you know, feels and hedonism versus Data, who is a, still a robot, apparently, right. but like doesn't have any of those things. Yeah, I think that had like a really interesting potential, like these two AIs in totally different contexts interacting with each other. I mean, I think the way they interacted for me kind of left me scratching my head a little bit. The whole like sudden sex scene between them and also just like her talking about like, rip your skin off. Oh, become like a real robot. I think some of those were a little interesting, but I just wish they maybe maybe it's because of the Earth scenes. Like I wish they had more time to make those scenes really like sing and really hit for me because um, there was there was parts that felt a little out of place or a little rushed. Denali, Star Trek fans are horny, man, man. They are horny. And <laughs> maybe need... you're not as horny as... You're, maybe, you're not as horny as the rest horny. of them. And I think you're going to maybe hate yeah. that I say this, but um, I think it's pretty interesting to draw a parallel here to End of Evangelion, where yeah. uh, the, the end of the world scenario in that case is elevating humanity to a higher being where, where oh, we're yeah. all one collective consciousness. And that's really what the Borg are. And you have 
the Borg fighting for collective consciousness to create a greater system as a whole. And then in this, you get Data, who's like, maybe his method is more along the lines of, you know, he cares about humanity. Individuality as a whole is just as important as advancing society. Um, Yeah, that's a good point, Jace. Like, I didn't draw that parallel. Who inspired who? You tell me. Um, one thing I also want to mention, too, is the camp of this movie. I think we have to, like, address that. Because, Ryan, you mentioned, like, the acting in this movie, which is very apparent. Also, the costuming. Some of the costuming, like, some of the Borgs, like, they have to base it off the TV show. Um, I, I can see how that can seem pretty hokey to, like, a first-time watcher. For me, who's seen Star Trek, like it's kind of, like, part of it. We kind of, like, talk about it in the Star Trek community, too. Like, there's a sense of camp that it feels like you're watching, like, a theater. Or, like, you can't yes. do that. Th- th- like, that's that's you know, one yeah. thing, too, is, like, I <laughs> right. really don't like when they have traditional theater actors come on right. to TV shows or movies and project their voice to the back of the room. When we have tiny little microphones and they can pick up anything you say. <laughs> and I, yeah. I know that whatever his face is that plays the french dude patrick uh, stewart yeah. yeah he i know he's a trained theater actor and stuff but theater like, i don't buy it i don't buy it and it seemed like a tv show it was acted like a tv show including people who are getting paid like 500 bucks you know a month to be on this tv show and be like the third main character the, the people just didn't i don't know i just didn't buy it at all nobody acted like there was any stakes to anything except for picard and he was way overacting like he was stuck out like a sore thumb there's a couple I, I i hate to be this way but like julie was riffing on a lot of like when julie's po- like being trying trying to be mean and like pointing out that your acting is really bad it's pretty bad and <laughs> <laughs> there was one scene where a woman had to act drunk and she was not doing a good job of acting and counselor troy please and i don't know i don't know any of his names and then there was another time a, a woman was leading a bunch of people around the ship and she was like now we will go over here and julie would mock her every time she spoke julie would repeat <laughs> what she said in like a really stilted voice and like it made it fun to watch but like yeah they were not winning any points over here (laughs) no that's that's totally fair like that's something you notice in star trek and it's a very specific flavor if you're not down for this flavor like i could see how that could just be a huge turnoff for me like i fucking love patrick stewart in this like i i can listen to him say orders like engage and say all these like crazy speeches and you know quote moby dick like for me that really works um but if you can't get on board with like the cheesiness and whatever this is i mean this is also directed by the actor who plays Riker in this um in this movie and like um you have an actress i think it was her name's alfrey woodard i've seen her in like a lot of stuff she's normally extremely good in everything she's in but even in this one i was kind of like oh like some of the takes were kind of strange um even for patrick stewart who i think is usually pretty strong in movies he's in um there was some weird choices and like Ryan, you talked in previous episodes about like how when a camera pans to someone and it's obvious where the director's like, okay, react, like do something. And it's like a little too, too long where they're like staring for a while and they're like, oh, whoa, we <laughs> you know, and there was like, there was a couple dozen moments in this movie with that. Um, to me, that's charming because it seems like a diorama or something. Uh, but for maybe like a big cinema movie, maybe don't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's I me. Mean, yeah. Oh, sorry. Then go ahead. I was I was gonna say there that 
I would be interested from like hearing from like a true Trekkie fan, like if they took the direction with this movie that they do the episodes. So Ryan has said multiple times, it seems like a long episode. And in in certain fandoms or certain circles, you know, that's that might be touted. Like we get a lot of you get a lot of flack in the industry from taking a show and then making a movie about it and changing the direction and not keeping it whole because the people who are like experiencing that and hold it true to themselves, you know, they, it's like really visceral when you're watching it. So if 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 this is like a two camps, if you're watching this as a movie and you're not a Trekkie and it feels like too much like an episode, maybe that's a bad thing. But if you're a diehard fan of the series and this movie is too much of a like a movie and it's so separated from the show that you can't, you know, really experience it the same way, maybe that's a negative. And one of the things that I saw from that is like a lot of the actors, when they interact with the technology, and I don't know if this is true for the show, you have the actor re- reacting with the same like control box that another actor is is is, uh, is using. I'm thinking of the outside of the ship. And they yeah. push the buttons completely differently. And w- when I think about interacting with technology, I think I'm personally in grounded realism because I'm like, this needs to be done to do this, to do this, to do this. And like outside of the ship, it's like (laughs) with your fingers in different ways. So um, I wonder if this was done more to mimic the show. I think so. Yeah. I mean, to your point, like look at the reaction of 2009 Star Trek with Chris Pine. Like fans were fucking livid. Uh, But I liked it. Like a lot of casual people liked it. Yeah. And and And, that's one uh, thing too is like, JC, I think there's a couple, you had like two sentences in there that, synopsized this whole discussion but to make at the risk of drawing on for too long what i like about tv show movies are that they can raise the budget they can raise the stakes and you could be like okay in the series they might not make these big decisions and they don't have like an hour to develop the villain and give the villain a whole character arc and we can get more into like these really really intense scenes where in the show it has to be over quick and like the stakes in tv movies are usually really really high and this i I, you know if you would have told me that this was the plot of an episode i'd be like okay cool and then the chris pine jj abrams movies i felt that like the stakes were really high all the time and yeah i just i I totally agree with you jace that there's probably a complete opposite reaction to the what i'm having and i mean for denali's probably somewhere in there yeah no, I mean, like, you look at that the J.J. Abrams movie, it's more insular. Like, they contain the stakes. But, like, this is a, conti- like we said, like a continuation of the stakes. And if you don't have all that other context, like, it doesn't doesn't work or pay off. As an aside, did you guys spot Adam Scott on the USS Julie Defiant? did. I'm <laughs> looking at the actor list right now. Julie yeah, did, yeah. and I totally mansplained to her. I was like, <laughs> Julie, that's, no. Look, he wasn't famous in the 90s. I don't think he was even an actor back then. And he's not, they're not going to throw a cameo in like that. And it's probably just some random guy who looked like him. <laughs> oh, Ryan. Ouch. Yeah, then later it's... I pulled up the IMDb. And this is your public apology uh, for... <laughs> I will never apologize because <laughs> yeah, if, I, like, if I do, it's... then I would learn. 
And then we wouldn't have more of these comedic events happen. He's like 22 years old in this movie. Like that must have been huge for Adam Scott because I'm pretty sure he's like a mega nerd and like loves Star Trek. <laughs> and he get he gets to like yell at Worf and he's like, oh, the Defiance taking too much damage. That's that must have been super sick. Like, um, should we are we getting to that time to yeah. get into our meters for there, our uh, I think we yeah. should. There's like. I think we could have a three-hour episode on this. Oh, movie. there's so much in here. <laughs> we haven't even touched on like some of the themes in here. I know. <laughs> I mean, I I gotta say, I liked the Jean-Luc scene where he's where he's uh he realizes that he's like Ahab with a white whale, where they're like, you need to just fucking blow up the Enterprise while the Borg get it, and we'll be done. And he's like, no, no, we gotta fucking fight him. We gotta save him. And then that whole speech, and he he comes to this realization, and I this is why I kind of like Jean-Luc compared to other captains especially like with kirk is that he recognizes that he's wrong and goes back to his crew and is like i was fucking wrong we're gonna do this for like the good of everybody um he's not like the punch guys in the face he's like the diplomacy captain which i thought was a good characterization for picard um just someone who can just see like from the bigger picture and then be inspired like that's pretty sick i don't know that's how we all want to be like yeah. people look at the other captains and they're like oh they're such badasses that's how i think i would be but then mm-hmm. really like what he's professional this guy yeah john luke's the man and he's fucking shreddy are you oh kidding me bro God. like he's yoked out of his mind are in you this kidding movie. me He's got this scene where he's in the tank top and he's like picking something up and you can see every single vein in his arm. And I was like, I was like, oh, ooh. he's like 60 years old. They had like a trend they have budget this- on this one. <laughs> like he, like he's, he's in a tank top for like no reason. And he's like sweaty swinging on a rope. <laughs> oh like, my God. Well, hold on. Hold on. Yes. This yeah. another, we've missed so many things. This was yeah. one of the biggest okay, realizations okay. I've had. He was sopping wet the whole movie. Was, like, <laughs> I think it was like a hot day in Santa Monica. Like had somebody spraying him and only him with water before every scene. <laughs> where he was probably just like, please stop. They're like, hold, hold on a second. Moisten. Wait, we forgot to say the fucking ending. Okay, like the whole thing with Zephyr Cochran and stuff. He creates the first warp drive, blah, blah, blah. The crew are down there to like help him build it because the Borg interrupted. I think we forgot to say that. Like the Borg shot a missile down and fucked it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, they they attacked Montana. Yeah, they attack Montana where they're building it. It ends with Picard uh, kicking and Data kicking the Borg Queen into like the organic acid. She dies. Data's all fine. And then they launch the sick ass rocket and everything's great. And they go back to their time. And that's the movie. Mm -hmm. Resistance is futile. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Go ahead, Ryan. So I'm going to give my no, give my apocalometer, uh, which is just a rating of how much I think this is a traditional end of the world movie. This is not how what I think of it as a movie objectively. We're going to get to that next. So as a disaster movie, I think this one missed the mark like really bad. <laughs> this is the least disaster movie of anything we've ever had. It's like the Denali you duped us. The, the end of the world situation was shown for like a second and it was like a hypothetical. Like even it Jace happened. corrected us. They it fucking like, time traveled. It like we saw it through a Borg sphere or something. I don't. I've lost track. No, they of what saw it the in Borg real spheres. life. Like they saw it happen. Okay. Anyway, and, and then they dumped. Yeah, but into you know what? The, the population. Okay. He still went by. And it's like the population is nine billion. So there's still freaking people. They're Borgs, man. They're not people. Oh, get, give me a break. Oh, I'm gonna get a the call prob- from Star Trek HR. There's probably like a thousand Scorpion Borgs. Tell me that's not a life you want to live. 
<laughs> Wait, they got to be scorpion borgs after Earth? That's what I'm saying. There's probably a bunch of them. Oh, I would have assimilated. I think I would have joined. If they all, if, Could I be a red all panda borg? <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. wait. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if I can even give it a point on that it happened. It wasn't a It set. did happen. I don't know. I don't. You can put that on your own meter. It literally happened. You can happened put it in your own meter. Back. You're not supposed to interrupt during this segment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Defensive. There's not much else to say about this. Yeah. Like, everything else was about, like, turning into the Star Trek universe, not, like, avoiding the end of the world. So, I can't go down the tick and say, like, oh, the U.S. government did it. Oh, nuclear weapons was, like, a response because none of that happened. So, I'm going to have to give it a one. And for me, that's technically the lowest end of the... I can go on the scale. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I have to agree, actually. So, like, oh, this it. movie is not a disaster movie <laughs> at all. Like, it, it, you, you'd have to be an insane person to say that this is, like, an end-of-the-world movie. Completely dumb. And I, I, if anyone says it is after what I said, they're going <laughs> to... Jason just looking to the side. Uh, yeah, I mean, for this movie, I w- I'll give it points for saying the title in the movie. Like, we've said that with previous disaster movies. Uh, Zephyr Cochran was like, what, what was this, some kind of Star Trek? <laughs> which, was, which was in the movie. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a point for that. Um, I will say the world did end as we know it in the movie. Okay, the Borg did go back in time and fuck shit up. All right, they destroyed our climate and turned everybody into Borgos. Okay. So, like, that's that's going to get a point for me. It happened. The, I think the KD ratio here is pretty fucking high. All right? Um, so, I mean, with regards to that, they're trying to go back and prevent this uh, apocalyptic future. So, I think it gets some points there. I'm not going to really say that it was an apocalypse movie, though, because so much of the focus is on, like, the character development of the crew. And so much the focus is on Zephyr Cochran and, like, all this other stuff that's happening about humanhood and all that stuff. So... Um, for me, I'm going to sit at like a three, I think. No, wait, a two. I'm going to go at a two. I think a two sounds good for me. Uh, it sort of registers, but uh, it's not really. I mean, it's like, it's it's a Star Trek movie, man. Like, what are you talking about? So, Jace, go ahead. What you were going to say about your... I was about your... to give it a six. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. Like, like yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm just... Right. It's you said it straight at the beginning of the move at the beginning of this review. It's a it's a zombie movie. It is the Borg are zombies. The entire premise of them being in the time they're in is stopping the Borg from zombifying the entire Earth. And I mean, if you look at it that way, you know, it becomes to me more of a disaster movie. I think. I mean, I think I, for me, is it's the fact that it happened on a ship and not in like a U.S. city. Like, because it was contained, like, mm-hmm. in the Enterprise. Like, yeah. if there was a scene where there, everyone's being Borged in New York, then I'd be like a disaster movie. See, I, that, think that's right. yeah. I think that was a, uh, a pleasantry that I may touch on in my movie meter, is that it was contained. Because it seems to me that that's similar to a Star Trek episode, where you have the ground team, you have the space team. And the stakes are incredibly high. Like, you have... You're, you're talking about a, a civilization in 2063 that is just inventing warp drive because of one person versus a spaceship that has been taken over by zombie robots that could literally probably blow up the Earth if they actually wanted to do that. But that's not what they wanted to do. Um, and then I was going to say maybe it's lower because of the weird self-interest thing of the Borg Queen with Jean-Luc Picard. You know, that's that's not very end of the world. The um, Yeah. I think 
You can give it a six, Jace. I mean, I was I think, just, uh, I, was just I think riffing. like a four for me is okay. fair. It seems weird to look back at my number. So I have the benefit of having written all these numbers down. You yeah, know, yeah. Oh my gosh, that we've watched. And like going back and thinking about Geostorm versus Star Trek. <laughs> and okay, like you, it has to be lower than Geostorm. <laughs> fuck. Then I have to give it a three. Okay. It's so malleable. I am, yeah. You're letting your past self influence yourself. You know, just leave it in that's, the past. That's how no, that's how that's what we should do to become We're better people. Vibing. Okay, right. What do you think about the movie as far as the movie meter goes? Okay, so far as a movie, yeah, I'm not veering too far from the end of the spectrum. I, I did this. It just didn't hit with me. I'm sorry. I mean, I love me some Galaxy Quest. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not anti this subject matter. It, this just is not. I just don't think it's a good movie. I didn't have a fun time watching it. <laughs> I thought for an hour and 40 minute movie, it was too long. Like. It really drug on there for a while when LeVar Burton is just like hanging around on Earth, <laughs> just palling around with this guy and making a bunch of jokes about making sure you carbon wrap your space coils. <laughs> it's just that stuff drags on for so long when they did the same joke like five times as well about he's going to be famous in the future. And it didn't help that I had a huge negative Nancy sitting right next to me and who has never seen anything Star Trek. Come on, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh like she was just not in it and for example when the data the the robot companion guy who looks like a human he showed up on screen and he was acting kind of funny i was like oh yeah uh julie this is the robot friend his name is data and she's like oh wow creative <laughs> <laughs> wow we got a hater over there yeah. so uh, yeah i don't know i, I did is this where Resistance is Futile comes in from? Yeah. Okay, that was pretty cool. That's going to get a point for that phrase, because that's kind of like in pop culture now. Um, the camera was always tilted. Did you guys notice that? The camera was always at an angle, and that really annoyed me. Uh, it's, I guess I didn't. Yeah. There's, a, there's a technique that you can utilize a tilted angle called the Dutch angle, and it's usually mm. used when people are like under a high amount of tension or like coming to some sort of realization. But the, it was unnecessary, and, and just kind of came off like they were trying to hide that their set wasn't very good and if you looked on it square you would realize that it's just a bunch of pieces of foam and like <laughs> pool noodles um yeah I, I i just didn't buy the plot at all i'm sorry i don't want to i don't want to rant on this dude too much because there's not too much to break it down technically i don't think i'm gonna give it a two damn a low score for one of star trek's finest uh but no that's 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 fair ryan like i'm also you know <laughs> i also realized what i was doing by uh making like a non-star trek fan watch like the eighth movie <laughs> in the franchise uh one thing you said about kind of the camera angles i don't know if this is like super related but like the ship scenes where they're all like shaking i always laugh at those scenes because like there's those stabilized gifs of them like where they don't shake the camera and they just have the extras just kind of doing like this like <laughs> oh and they have to do like hundreds of takes of that it makes me laugh every time <laughs> i'll, I see I'll it. look it up <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean you're you're right in saying that like this felt like an extended episode I don't know how well it actually works as a standalone movie. Um, there's a lot of like cool sets, in my opinion. There's some cool design stuff. There's some familiar plot uh, um, props that remind me of like the TV show. Uh, but the larger budget kind of serves it 
you know, better, but it doesn't ever feel like a movie to me. There's like, obviously you said pacing issues. I think like the, the tripartite, like fucking, you know, like three different plot lines going at the same time didn't really work either. Um, there were some points where I feel like it was a little bit dull, even though there should have been a lot that would have been happening. I also think they tried to bridge like a big action set piece, like circa like eighties and nineties, uh, versus like the typical, like, intellectual diplomacy that they usually do in the series um, just to kind of make it more mainstream. I feel like this was like a big push they did uh, and I don't feel like that super worked. But I mean, with that said, like, I don't think this movie's perfect. I, I, I think the camp and the aesthetic really <laughs> worked for me because I, I like Star Trek. I think it was a really good payoff for the rest of the show if you're familiar with like the lore and the characters. Um, I liked the original score for this movie too. We don't get a lot of like orchestral scores anymore. So I think for me, that's kind of like a nostalgic thing. And I think there's some interesting elements of a good Star Trek episode in here. Like, uh, you know, like themes like PTSD and collectivism and humanity. There's things in here that I think should have become memes. Like there's the... There's the sweet Jesus meme that's already a meme in here, but like the the whole like he will make an excellent drone. I feel like that should have been like a really good meme. There's there's like there was a bunch of good iconic scenes in this that I think are are underutilized. So uh, meme lords, just please uh, make more memes about first contact. Uh, with that said, it's long winded. Um, I'm gonna give it a seven because I enjoyed this movie. I know the flaws are apparent here. Um, it's not my favorite Star Trek movie though. I, I do have like an overall favorite, but this is uh, this is up there for me. Is it Wrath of Khan? Is Rathacon, yeah. Why, yeah. I'm going to be completely uh, uh, transparent with the audience here. You know, if this makes the cut. I was absolutely blitzed off of a five milligram <laughs> cannabis edible. Um, and I had to pause this movie with Yuri, who was in a simpler boat, to say, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> this movie is all vibes. I'm not sure I'm here for all of them, but... Like the tonal, the tonal switches in this movie, when you're in a heightened state of like being aware of what's going on screen with Jean-Luc Picard going absolutely psycho and breaking a glass thing. And then 30 seconds later being like, huh, like a feral cat to just like, okay, cool. Let's go talk you to broke the your ship. Yeah. It was uh, like a lot of those scenes. And like, I, I would say the last third of this movie is just tonally within a scene itself is just so woo 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 that um it was kind of hard to keep track and stay emotionally invested in but i love the nerdiness i love the 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 kind of kind of weirdly done technology you know i, I kind of harped on the people interacting with buttons differently but i like how they made the set pieces um so yeah i, I just uh sitting at a seven for me the enjoyment of this was high. I don't think they were trying to do anything spectacular or crazy. I, I do think maybe, based on what we've talked about, it was a bit of a longer episode. And they kind of like made everything a little bit more grandiose. I felt that the three separate plot points gave some character to it. Like I liked the fact that they were unable to contact the ship and that there's like completely different stakes going on for pushing first contact to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, vibes are high. I, I don't know, though. You know, I, I, I feel like I don't remember a lot of the movie. Yeah, I'm surprised you watched it whilst under the influence. It's like the the Borg scenes are very bad vibes. I don't think I could do it. I think just the first <laughs> eyeball drilling scene, I'd be like, I'm, I'm out. I can't do it. This is real. <laughs> like, there's no, I, there's no separation. I was kind of like, dang. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, that's, um, we got two 
two sevens and a two. Um, a bit of a disparity, Ryan. I mean, that's interesting because Ryan, I always thought you would be like a big Trekkie fan. Like, have you ever watched like the show or just sat down? I've and never just, like, seen an it? episode of the show, mm-hmm. but I have seen Wrath of Khan and then the the first two of uh, the J. Bray Abrams movies. Okay, word. Yeah, I mean, my favorite, obviously, Next Generation. I don't even like super like the original series too. Um, so if anyone's interested, I would always recommend Next Generation. The uh, they do have like this on on the the Reddit for uh, for Star Trek. They do have a guide for watching Next Generation. Like what's the ones you should maybe skip or watch? What's like the really really good ones if you don't want to just do a straight run through? Um, that's I've been using that guide before too. But it's it I always like going back through. It's like my comfort food. Uh, that whole Star Trek run. Um, but there you have it, folks. If you have any opinions about this movie. Uh, you know what? Go ahead and just forward them to us, okay? Why not? We'll fucking take them. We're like the Borg Cube over here. We can adapt and overcome. Uh, DM us on our Instagram uh, at GBGB Podcast. Uh, hit us up, uh, GBGB Podcast at gmail.com. What do you think about our review and what do you think about this movie, Star Trek First Contact? But with that, was it Ryan? You got the. It's my season, so I get first pick. and yeah. last. Yeah, I get. <laughs> All right. And so I think the last few movies that we talked about this too, but we've been pushing the bounds and we're not, what, what kind of bothers me is that oh sometimes, boy. yeah, oh boy. Sometimes <laughs> when I'm talking to somebody, most often on Normie and I'm like, oh yeah, it's kind of like an end of the world scenario or like, they're like, no, that's not what that means. Like, oh, I talk, I talk about this all the time when, when somebody corrected me when I said Dune was a sci-fi. Like, right. no, that's an epic. I'm like. Okay. That is a sci-fi. It won it's, the fucking Nebula Award. I, I like, know, right? But like, we've been kind of doing that. We've been kind of saying yeah, like, right. technically, no, this we is have. an end of the world movie, <laughs> right? Where we we can't hide too much. I'm gonna go back to the Moonfalls, the cores, the Geostorms. Oh my god! <laughs> and we're gonna make the radical conservatives a little upset. Maybe not even the radical ones. Uh, and we're gonna watch Don't Look Up. Oh. <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> i haven't seen this uh, i watched it <laughs> i was hoping at least one of you had it because if one of you if, if everybody yeah. had then we would watch something else but like yeah it's gonna be fun because it's sweet not gonna be fun it's this was nominated too well right it's this and is gonna be cashing well this, yeah. this is gonna be easy pickings for for people you know like, this be tim timmy chalamet's acting in this movie is hilarious so i'm all on board for watching that again i love t shout if you've already seen it too you could just like put it on the background because it's really hard to forget what happens no jace do your homework watch it i'm gonna watch the movie sweet don't look up i've been wanting to see this too and i haven't been able to like motivate myself to watch it so this is perfect ryan uh it's an it's a sweet asteroid movie we haven't gotten that in a while or, or whatever it is. Yeah, this is this isn't an impending doom movie. Yeah, this is gonna have be you, good. Have you seen it, Ryan? I've seen this, it. You, you see? Oh, I'm the first. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We'll end our season on Don't Look Up. I think that's uh, that's fitting. And um, oh, I forgot to do. Oh, we have to do box office corner. I was gonna say this was this movie was number one that we just saw. For really? Sure. Oh. Okay, wait, wait. Crazy. What happened to the whales? Oh God, we forgot about the when we did the Wheel of Chaos last week. <laughs> There was the Whales movie. We had the original cast. Oh. And then there was this movie. I forgot about that. I totally thought the Whales were going to show up. Because I even told Julia. I was like, I know something crazy about this movie. Oh. 
And then so you were waiting for the and then like but there was like 10 minutes left. I I checked how much time was left. I was like, okay, I'm confused how the whales are gonna fit in like logically. <laughs> the Borg hate whales. <laughs> they go crazy when they see them. Imagine a Borg whale. Yeah, do do I, Borg I assimilate animals? They assimilate like everything. <laughs> That was good, Jace. That was a good Borg whale. <laughs> good Borg whale. I don't think we could use these whales for talking anymore. Let's put a drill arm on its head. Um, do we want to do GBGB and Joys? Do you have any recs for this week? I just finished uh, Our Flag Means Death this week for the so first good. time. So good. Yeah, JC recommended it to me. Um, I actually watched the whole series, and it is amazing. It is delightful. Um, I was super enjoying that. I actually like lifted my mood the whole week. So if you guys want some just silly fun with Taika, Taika Waititi and... All that gang just oh, watch Our Flag Means Death. Yeah. Yeah, double rec for Our Flag Means Death. Ryan, you got something to recommend our, our followers? Um, Right now, I'm really into the band Tennis. Oh, I, Tennis. I just put yeah. that on, vibing. Um, also, I today I made breakfast, and I played, um, is it I Don't Live Here Anymore by War on Drugs? Oh, fuck. Yeah. And just really, really loud while you're making breakfast, like scrambled eggs. I made scrambled eggs and sweet potatoes and onions and stuff. And you will feel like your dad. <laughs> it, it's a guaranteed way to, uh, to to maybe bridge the generational gap there. There was like a, a meme of that where it was like the Arnold, you know, muscle meme where like they're doing the handshake. And it was like me, my dad, the new War on Drugs album oh, when the, on the Indie Heads, which I loved. Uh, that's, yeah, great band. Tennis is also a great band. Um, so yeah, uh, I I liked what we've been doing is is a, a word of apocalypse advice with the popcorn thing. Do you guys want to just close on on one of those? Sure. Jace, do you want to start this one? Just any word. <laughs> Borg. Will never assimilate Borg when they aren't driving Borg. <laughs> Crabs. <laughs> I was going to say Borg fusion, like a Ford fusion, but that's two words. Borg won't assimilate Borg when driving Borg crabs. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Make sure you know where your Borg are at and what they're driving. <laughs>